0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Tudo Português. My name is Angela Simoes, and I am here with Leslie Vicente from the Discovery Language Academy in New Bedford, right? New Correct. Bedford.
1: Downtown New Bedford.
0: New Bedford, Massachusetts. And it's a wonderful story of a school that I think is probably one of the most successful and highly attended Portuguese language schools But it's so much more. And so that's what we're here to talk about. Leslie's going to tell us all about the school, how it started, and what you guys are doing now, because it's not just for folks in New Bedford, right? Because you're reaching a national audience. So Leslie, give us a little bit about the history of the school.
1: Sure. So I I came along in 2015. I was going to teach at that time because I was in school to get my PhD. So I said, I don't have the time, but I'll start looking at the school. It was a very interesting dynamic. There was two schools. So those folks that know New Bedford know this, like in your school, there's your north end and there's your south end. So there was a school in the north end, Portuguese United Education. There was a school in the south end, which is in the Casa do Soldat, which was on the second floor of the Portuguese, we call the Portuguese library in the south end. But you know, throughout the years, it had lost a significant amount of students. I believe the north end was down to 40 something students, and the south end which I took off a little bit, maybe had eight. It wasn't that many at all. So basically, it's like, how do we bring the awareness, the desire to learn our Portuguese culture and our Portuguese language to these kids? Basically, parents versus parents, the parents have to want to put their kids there. But we have to make this the school a good quality school, especially a curriculum. We didn't have our own curriculum for these children. Okay, we have to mix culture. We have to mix language. A lot of kids really didn't understand the culture of Portugal. And to me, without knowing culture of a country, the language really tends to be boring. That's the way I always... Yeah, I would agree. Right? I I was born in California. I was born in San Diego, but as a little girl, I went to Portugal. But then I immigrated to my own country when I was 12. And obviously, I was too busy learning the English, even though I was American. But we really, really brought out awareness of me at being Portuguese people ask me, Are you Portuguese? I say, Yes, I am. It's the culture, it's our traditions. I guess you could say it's the festa. You know what I mean? At the end, yeah, it's all yeah, I'm yeah. The festa, mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. So, <laughs> so I was like, If festish and soccer is going to get these kids in here, to me, that's what we're going to do. And then we will use that and adapt it to a curriculum where they learn the language. So what I did is I obviously took this Massachusetts State Standards, which were were and still are very, very old. And I took Stuttgart I also took this and I mixed them. Okay. And we built our own curriculum. At that time, it was grade one through nine. And then we used a lot of social media. We started doing community events. We started inviting the parents to the school. We started doing Breakfast with Santa, where the kids would sing Christmas carols. Oh, so there was my a gosh. Cat- yes, which we That's still do. Yeah. So parents love that. Grandparents love that. Yes. Yeah, I started sharing our school with all the local school districts, you know, Dartmouth, New Bedford, Fairhaven, Lakeville. And we started getting students from all these areas, basically. And anything at the school that deserved a celebration, we celebrated it while teaching the language like a hidden curriculum, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. But they were still learning. They were learning about fun stuff but that fun stuff came with a lesson a curricular lesson that they needed to learn and at that time too portugal had won the european cup so being a portuguese
0: sense of pride yeah, there everybody right was capitalize crazy. on that
1: <laughs> oh absolutely yeah. oh that's what i do I, yeah exactly so i capitalized on that we started teaching also a little bit about soccer and where it came from the players but meanwhile they're learning about this but they're learning vocab and they're engaging in conversation yeah absolutely Uh, and that's how it all started before you know it i decided to add there was people parents they were calling us oh my child is five years old but you're only first graders are only six and seven so i created an h5 which we call kindergarten class so before you know it, that took off really, really well. So now I have parents who have kids that are four years old. So we started a preschool age yeah. two years ago, and it's and I have great teachers. My teachers are all either certified in Portugal, certified here, or certified in Portugal in here. Right. Um, I like yeah, the, the, I'm very, very lucky. This year, for example, our preschool is completely full. Our kindergarten has extra students. We have two first grades. Last year was the first time we had two first grades. This year we have two first grades again, and we have two second grades because those two first grades had to move to second grade. And we had forty-three kids in first grade last year, separate. So I can't put them all in one class.
0: So when you say first grade, is that is it a full like is it a school or is it just language school that they go after? They're it's a language class. school.
1: So they come, They go to school all day and then okay. they come to us from five to seven and they meet twice a week. So for example, right now, yeah, level one right now, <clears throat> this happens every year. So we have a level one right now, which we call first grade, which are the kids that were in kindergarten last year. But then we also have 11, 10 That want to join the school, I'm not going to put them in that age group. So I have them separate in another level one class, which I call first grade. That's where they're at. And then of course we have our grades all the way through ninth. We also have adult classes. Last year we had a conversation of Portuguese for beginners, intermediate and advanced. We have our ESL classes, which is a significant program. We have ESL for adult beginners adult intermediate this is our first intermediate but our intermediate has a curriculum that combines civics so we're trying to create a path to citizenship for our adult students
0: oh amazing yes that's, that's a huge demand in so that's to where
1: we we go off from the portuguese but at the same time we're still serving our community and we also have english literacy for english language learners children so the children our esl students the adults don't have to worry about childcare which is the biggest issue for them is work and children so we have the classes at night and then we have an esl class i guess you could say for their kids they're well so the whole family is learning at the same time
0: that's amazing
1: um, that, yeah that's our esl program currently i was just checking uh, the roster we have waiting lists in preschool first grade Kindergarten, Mm but as of this morning, uh, preschool to grade nine, we have 168 students registered. The adult classes don't start until next week. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know last year we had about over 60, so that might bring us over the 200. And then we have the Spanish. We also found out that we had a lot of, especially um, adults in the medical field. Uh, banking that already knew how to speak Portuguese and English but they wanted to learn a third language okay so we're doing Spanish and when COVID hit we started working we went to zoom right away and then we were contacted by parents from different states, states. Right. <laughs> so, right now, they meet on Saturdays. And let me see if I get this straight. We have students. Let me start from the bottom. We have students from Florida, about four. We have students from New York. We have students from North Carolina. We have students from my hometown, San Diego. Mm-hmm. We had students from San Mateos, but they're, they're not in this year because of class. And, you know, the time difference is tough. Mm-hmm. We have students from Wellesley, we have students from Connecticut, and we have students from Colorado.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yes. And then adults. So our new, new baby program is the SIPL program, which is a Portuguese citizenship readiness tutoring. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have done it in the past and we have 100% success, right? All our adult students are now Portuguese citizens. Um Congratulations.
0: Yeah, so far I always
1: tell them. Uh, they say, "Oh, I hope I'm not the first one." I said, "I hope you're not the first one too, not to make it." <laughs> so I just register a student from way up, probably where you are, way up north in California. Okay. Yeah. So that's private tutoring. That's what we do one on one. I have an American that happens to live in San Miguel, but he wants a citizenship. So we have one in San Miguel. We have that one.
0: So. Um, Specifically, this is for people that need to pass the language test for the citizenship. Correct.
1: Some have to do the oral because they're over 60, but others have to do the written written test. Yes. Got it. We have some from New York. Uh, We have some local here. We usually do like three or four, but it's one-on-one. Unless they're in the same family, we do one-on-one. And we really, we have obviously the materials are online. So our teachers really know the materials and um, we teach them, they do role plays. What we advise is a lot of them don't speak any Portuguese at all. So they take the beginners. So they would take this October, beginners, conversational Portuguese for adults. And if they're taking the test in May, once they get to April, we go tutoring one-on-one so that they're ready uh, for their May test. We help them with registering for the test and whatever we can do for them. Most of them are older. These are, you know, they're in 50s, they're 60s. I mean, their grandparents came came there from there a long time ago,
0: you know. And they're looking to either just get the citizenship or they want to retire there, which is why they want to. both.
1: a lot so- of them want to get the citizenship just in case. That's what I hear. Just in case. Just in case. <laughs> okay. Just in case and, yeah. Just in case, I want to be a citizen, just in case. And some of them, yeah, we have quite a few that are over 60 because they've only done the oral part. We don't yeah. know what the questions are, but we can certainly prepare them to listen to some questions that would, you know, might be it's like an MTEL. You know, they know if they know the basics and they're not nervous, they'll be doing, they'll do it. Right.
0: Yeah. So, Leslie, where did you find? the drive and because, and I'm asking this because it sounds like if it wasn't for you, this program really would not have, this school would not have become what it is today. And people always ask me why, you know, I do what I do. And so I'm going to ask you the same question. Like you could have just been a teacher, you, you know, you saw the program and unfortunately, like so many others in our community, you could have been like, oh, that's too bad. And moved on with your life right? right. <laughs> um, yeah. So what what led you or what drove you to want to turn this around?
1: First of all, it's not just me. I have a board of directors. I have great teachers uh, that sure. I'm very, very attached to. We're not friends. We don't hang out together, obviously. But um, but you
0: had a vision. Was, it took someone like you to have a I, vision, and, right? Yeah,
1: I, I knew that I could do this. I was a Portuguese teacher, obviously, in, uh, at the uh, local Catholic schools. When I finished my PhD, yeah, I could have gone to teach at a, at a university. But I I saw these kids coming to us after a long day at school, and walking in there with happy faces like black because we provide a very safe environment. I wish I could give you a tour of the school. Our school is our school is very colorful. It's like when we first started, there was a couple of flags of Portugal. Now you walk in our hallway is all the flags of the Lusophone countries.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: So, and it's not just about Portuguese from, like we say, mainland Portugal. We teach them. Isaurian culture, we teach them about Cape Verdean culture, if the students came from, uh, for example, we have a lot of Cape Verdean students, we mm-hmm. celebrate that. And just to see the way the school grow, grew and the way our, we changed the name from Portuguese United Education to Discover Language Academy, and it was a challenge because nobody knew who we were. Mm-hmm. And then I started working with organizations like the United Way, Big Coast Bank, UMass Dartmouth, so, so, so so many of them, um, Community Foundation. Mm-hmm. And it was a struggle because they couldn't see my vision. They couldn't see that this is important for, for, still, for students to learn a second language. If I didn't speak two languages, I probably wouldn't be here with you right now. Mm-hmm. And then, I, someone who Yes, I, I got married, I had some kids, I got divorced. I went to peak once in a while, but I really didn't. But then I started going back. I went to Bustiaz and I just got, I don't know, it was a flame of this love for my traditions, my culture, where I came from. I mean, I love California, don't get me wrong, but, but, but just those roots. And I want every kid mm-hmm. to feel like that. I want every kid to be to be proud, to be Portuguese, to be proud, not just to be proud to be Portuguese, but to be proud of their parents, be proud of their grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. And to know what they, we, we create this project, where the kids will sit down with um with the grandmother and say, Grandma, where did you come from? How did you get here? So nice. that we can put that in a, a book. So these kids, if the grandmother passes away, they know, hey, my avó yeah here, what she did. This is where she went live. Like for example, in my case, I lived in Pico. Yeah, my dad worked at the bank; he was the manager. My mother never worked. We lived well off. When we came here, we went to a, a second floor in a tenement home. It was a big shock for me, not to have all those those things. And sure. I, yeah, it, it's huge. But I learned so much too about family dynamics and traditions. And I think a lot of kids are losing that now. Like I see students that I ask, where would your grandmother from? Portugal, where? I'm not sure. I said, well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. And you're going to find out your your ancestry where you guys came from because right. it's so important, the family trees. And that the kids get excited about that. And I, I think it, it's got to start somewhere. And I'm just trying to plant little seeds even if I have, even if I plant 500 seeds and 10 of them grow, to me, that's an accomplishment. I Absolutely. got 10 to go. And the fact that our school—it's not the school's—not about me. Our school is giving the Portuguese community a place in our community means the world to me because we're in a—I live in a community. Well, it's fun to be Portuguese and great. But I don't think us Portuguese are as appreciated and taken into consideration Mm. as as others are. We're the Portuguese, we're the fishermen, we're the whalers. Well, guess what? No, we're a lot more than that. that. And that's what I want to leave behind. We're a lot more than that. And I teach a cultural program in the summer. We have a free camp in the summer that this year was actually sponsored by Flap in the uh, governor Charlie Baker's office, thank God he really saved us. And he came to visit and he understood what I was de- doing there. So I brought all these kids, not just from our school, but from all these school departments. Friendships were made. But one of the things that they, they learned about the Portuguese culture, they learned about Portuguese arts, they learned some language. But basically, the, the influence that the Portuguese, the Cape Verdeans had making you better what it is today
0: mm-hmm.
1: because we had an input into that and that's the awareness i want to bring mm-hmm. because i feel that our kids go to our school right now and then they go into a uh, seventh, seven eighth grade where to go to schools where they have this bilingual portuguese which is not the same and then they don't see real portuguese until college and i feel there's a gap there yeah that we need to work on as a portuguese community where they don't get to college and say i'm going to take portuguese one-on-one because it's easy no they get to college and they're really aware of who they came from where their family Mm -hmm. came from Mm -hmm. they want to go back to portugal and they want to be part of, of, of that one thing that i heard when I was in the Azores this summer, and I think it's so important because, of course, when I went to Gozzielsa this year, I went to the festas, you know. Right. Uh, and one dad, it was a radio show, and he was saying, he was so right. He was talking about the San in and that slide-up. He said, parents, immigrant parents, don't bring your kids here when there's not a festa. If you're coming to stay with your kids, bring them to San Juaninhas. If you're going to some, you know, to San Miguel, bring them. During a certain time. Mm-hmm. If you're going to Fayal, bring them during the Semana do Mar because you want your kids to be there and enjoy that and that's love what, it. That's what's going to bring them back. So yep. I, I really, really tell, you know, when I want to tell the parents if you're going to go to Peak, go during Caja Ghost. If you're going to mm-hmm. go to Fayal, go during Semana do Mar. If you're going to go to, believe me, the Santas Juaninhas and the da Praia, the kids will love it. Every. Every island has a fetcher
0: yeah. in the summer. Yeah, no, and it's so true because if they experience the fun stuff first, yes. then I think they're a little more more tolerant of the downtime when there's maybe not a fetcher yeah. if you're there for more than a week or two weeks, right? Yes. But if all they see is the, the downtime and there's not a whole mm-hmm. lot to do, then of course they're not going to want to go back. But yes, I, I've been to San Juaninas, I haven't been to Fesha the Playa, but. um, yeah, San Juanina's is uh, <laughs> like no other. <laughs> right,
1: and they're gonna you make friends. So yes. The festivals they're gonna make friends. Yeah. When the festivals are over, they get to hang out with them. Yep. And they make so, you know
0: friendships. They go back
1: next year. Mm-hmm. I used to go to the festivals all the time. Now I want to go the day after the festival so I can relax for a little while. But right. I'm older. <laughs> when I was younger, I made sure that when I went, there was something going on.
0: Absolutely. So I mean the the program you, every time I speak with you Leslie all I can think of is how can we replicate your model in states throughout the country you know and so I mean if anyone out there is listening that that has a desire to mm-hmm. replicate even on a small scale and then then you know, have it sure. you know, grow where can they find you uh, I know that you have a website and but but tell our listeners where they can find you.
1: They can email me. It's a long email, but everybody knows it. It's Discovery Language Academy School at gmail.com. They can go on our website with Discovery Language academy.org. Email me from there. And what's really, really important, and I found out the school really took off, is when you work with other organizations. You will never, I would have never survived on my on my own. And you're going to get a lot of doors closed, but keep knocking on those doors. Uh, That persistence, yes. Oh, absolutely. There's an organization here that I applied for a grant for the ESL program. They told me no. The year after, they told me no. So I called them. Why? What did I do wrong? And how can we change that? And I took their advice. And I applied again. They gave me a little. I applied again. They gave me a little bit more. But I send them pictures. There you go. I send them a report of what we're doing. Some of them are in the building. But you really, really, you can't survive on your own. You have to work with local organizations, and you have to have a mission. You have to have mm-hmm. a mission. People have to believe your mission, and um, never give up. You, you can't give up, and you got to have people that believe in you, and you yeah. have to work a lot. And you have yeah. to work
0: a lot. <laughs> it takes stamina. I think that's the, that's the oh, other thing uh...
1: too.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing too. Is that uh, people may start something or, or you know, even if it's starting to volunteer with an existing organization and it's, yes. uh, it's a little slow going, and there might be some frustration that people aren't jumping on yes. board, and it's like, yeah, I know. You know, we've we've been at this palcas thing for thirty years, and I would say in the last six, seven years, maybe ten years, it's really gained steam, right? Yes. It takes yes. a lot of stamina, <laughs> not to say that. Yeah, you
1: can't give up. And you got to think and if you have an issue and you're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this just happened. I always think to myself, Mr. James Mill actually taught me that. Because goes, listen. sometimes i you're worried about something, something silly. Uh, and you go, listen, is this problem going to be here two weeks from now or three months from now? I said, I hope not. Probably not. He goes, let it go. Let it go, yeah. Keep trying. Keep trying. You know what I mean? So I keep trying. I knock on on doors. I go to Portuguese organizations. I have to say that the state of Massachusetts has been very kind to us, very good to us. That's good to hear. Yes, they believe in us. But I meet with them. I talk to them. I make sure that my face is known that my name is known that I don't miss an event like on Friday. There's a, an appreciation lunch with Governor Baker. I'm going even though we have our gala Friday night. I don't know. I'm gonna make sure that I'm in Boston at two and back here by six. I'm not know how I'm gonna do it, but we have to. We and we have to be very grateful for those. Yes. Who help. Absolutely. Oh, very grateful and humble. Humbleness goes a long way. Yeah. Portuguese is not. Competition. Being Portuguese is not a competition. Hey, Amen, sister. Um, you know what I mean. <laughs> <Even English laughs> Scout, ESL. I was. I've been invited, and this is great. This is thanks to. I think the respect that our organization is getting in the community. I've been invited to be part of the advisory board of River Public School Superintendent, Mr. Oh, congratulations. Anderson. That's great. Yeah, and one of the things that I shared at that first meeting is like we're talking about ESL because. We work with ESL kids, but last year the kids couldn't come to us because of conflict. So what do I do? I took I sent my teachers to their schools. So my mm-hmm. teacher could go to the school that has the biggest ESL, so the Discovery Language Academy was on the field in the public schools, and they helped tremendously. That probably, you know, got our school into the advisory board. Yeah. And I even said ESL is not a competition. I have a waiting list for ESL. So I send them to the Immigrant Center, I send them to the Bedford Schools, I send them to BCC. I don't keep my waiting list waiting for next semester. No, we, both languages, we can't be a competition if we're really in this for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. We want students to learn no matter where they learn. That's uh, I look at.
0: I could hug you right now, Leslie, I wish wish more people had that, that mentality because it is absolutely so true. Collaboration, rising tide lifts all boats. And I think that's really the mentality that we have to adopt as a community as a whole, if we're going to continue to grow and get better. So I, I love that you said that. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It's an amazing, amazing school. And I will come for that. I will come for that in-person tour someday.
1: I would but love I, to have you there. It's a it has space. been a Technology long time. Technology helps. Yes. We have smart boards.
0: Oh, uh, fantastic. We have
1: smart boards in uh, every classroom. And we just opened. Uh, so I applied for uh, a grant. So the state of Massachusetts has these co-op spaces. I believe you guys have them in California as well. So basically... You can rent a station and go into this. We call it Hub 128 because we're located 128 Union Street. So you can go there, rent a station, work there for the day. You can rent a station for the week. We can rent a station for the month. So it's a co-op space. So our goal is to rent it out during the day, but at night, offer free workshops for our immigrant um, population, how to get jobs, for our high school students, how to fill FAFSA forms. So, any issues out there that our brother and sister partnerships want to have, you know, some kind of events to educate our our community, that's what it's there for. So, we were lucky that the state of Massachusetts mass development gave us a $50,000 grant to build this. So, we're going to have our open house very soon. We're just waiting for a couple of um, of touch-ups, but that's right across from the school, too. So now we connect to other community organizations through the. Home. Yeah, that's amazing. Not rental, So and that's and then, amazing. And it's a lot of work, but like I have a brother-in-law that says, "Yeah, but you like your job." Yeah, <laughs> said, yeah. Yeah, I love my job. I work mm-hmm. with the best teachers. I work with the best kids. I have a good board. I have a great president. Uh, and you're- I work. With- Joan Caixinha from Institut Camões supports us so much. The Portuguese Council supports me. Uh, I have a couple of friends at FLAD that understand my fight. You know, And you're having
0: I, impact. I think that's the biggest yeah, thing, too, yeah. is that you're having such a positive impact.
1: Yeah, we tried. You know, our last uh, the one that's here is great, our last one, Dr. Shelley Fires, really opened up a road between us and Lisbon so I can communicate there and see what they have there. So I feel like Portugal That's is great. not a stranger to me. There are partners as well. Right. There could, be, there could be a little bit more partners with finance. <laughs> That's okay. We're working on We're that. Working. We'll We're get there. We'll get there. Let's see the fit on the yeah. on the couch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this has been great. We are at time, but um, thank you so much, Leslie. This has been amazing. Thank you, your, You and your team are doing amazing work. Of course, we are here to help promote all that you're doing, uh, make more students aware. Even if you're living in North Carolina or Colorado, you can still take some classes. Okay. And now I'm I'm great. I'm really happy to know about the citizenship language course specifically, because we do get a lot of questions about the citizenship okay. process. And people have asked, is there a class I can take? So now we, we can is. refer them. Yeah, so that's great. But thank you for your time. This has been amazing. Congratulations. Thank you for having
1: me. Thank you so much. Of course.
0: Of course. And thank you everyone out there who's listening to another episode of Tudo Português. If you know of an organization or a club or other nonprofit in the community that that we all need to know about, if you have a festa, if you have a dance group, if you have a, or even if you have a business, we have opportunities for, for businesses to share here. But this podcast is all about showcasing the best of our community. So thank you for all those who are listening. Share the episodes, share the Palkus podcast channel with your family and friends so that we can continue to generate more awareness of all these wonderful things that exist in our community. And with that, we'll say até a And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tudo Português, a podcast production by Palkus, the only national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese-American community. To learn more about Palkus, how to become a member, or to suggest a guest for our show, visit www.palkus.org or email us at palcuspalcus.org.